Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zanian as he reads from social media, his own spoken word projects, and plays music for you Spotify premium listeners. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after this word from audible.com. Jeff Corey made a name for himself in the 1940s as a character actor in films like Joan of Arc and The Killers. Everything changed in 1951 when he refused to name names and was promptly blacklisted. He embarked on a career as one of the industry's most revered acting instructors. His memoir, Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that continually tests his ability to forgive and forget. In The Borrowed Souls, written by Paul B. Kohler, Jack Duffy will be compelled to make decision after decision about who gets to live and who will lose their soul. In war-torn Okinawa, there is the story told by a young kamikaze pilot only moments before flying his fighter plane into the side of an American battleship. I know why the waters of the sea taste of salt is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon. All three of these great audiobooks are narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to them today by visiting audible.com. And we are back. So, getting back to uh, the music playing issue here at Tom Reads Your Story. And, you know, believe me, I'm really embarrassed about all this. Because what's happening is I'm not getting as many plays when we have music. That's what it's boiled down to. And therein lies the decision as to whether or not to keep it. Spotify is saying, look, you got to have Spotify premium to hear the songs. And not only that, and I haven't mentioned this before, but you can only hear it on Spotify. That means you folks across the ocean in many different countries can only hear it on Spotify. And I don't even know if Spotify can be heard all over the world. I don't know. I really don't. And of course, there's the whole uh, the whole uh, decision of, you know, do I want Spotify premium? Is it worth having just to hear Tom play songs? <laughs> it might not be, folks. I just like the idea of having music in the podcast every once in a while, or maybe even every week. But uh, it's it's a problem that I'm still sort of dealing with and I appreciate your patience 
if you're a, an avid listener to the show. So, hope everyone's doing well. I appreciate you coming back uh, this week, like you may have come last week. And I, oh, listen, there's a plane coming into LaGuardia. <laughs> but um, the uh, the thing of it is, we've got four good postings from Facebook today. They're a little about human nature. One is about um, one is about going back to work, and boy, you know, I think this is one of the biggest subjects. You know, because of all that's happened in the past year or so, as people going back to work, many people lost their job permanently. I know I did, and now I'm hopefully going to get another one, but we'll see about that. Uh, nothing is for sure yet. That's for sure. Anyway, some people got laid off with the idea that they're going to get their job back. And, you know, it was made very clear to them that they would have their job back eventually. But some, like I said, uh, are done for good. Uh, I just went through an entire year of unemployment and I reapplied and I'm on unemployment again. I thought for sure they'd say, no, no, but they said yes. And I get the feeling that a lot of people, you know, were able to get onto unemployment again for another year. Not that, you know, (laughs) I want them to be, be on unemployment. Everyone wants, I think to be productive and, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, unemployment is nice for a while, but it gets boring. And uh, I, for one, would like to go back to work. So getting back to the show, uh, we do have, uh, let's see, one called Back to Work, which I just mentioned about. Uh, we have, uh, let's see. Oh, something about, you know, back in the 70s. Was it the 70s? Might have been the 80s. I kind of lost track. There was a comedian named Stephen Wright who was totally deadpan and had all these little sayings that he would come out, and they were so amazing in their truth. And I saw a posting of that, and I'm I'm, uh, going to play some of that for you today. Uh, We got something from John... Uh, called Close the Curtain, which is basically, it's getting back to being personal again and, and, and about a human emotion. We sh- It's about sharing way too much on social media and about keeping more of it in. We've, we've turned into a society where every little thing we put on Facebook or Twitter without even thinking if it's appropriate to put on Facebook or Twitter. And a lot of times it isn't. Some people just get, you know, they make a face and think, oh, gosh, this is awkward. Some people don't want to read everything about your family, everything about you personally. And you got to get into that. That's what this posting is about, called Close the Curtain. And um, uh, I'm reading out of order here, so bear with me. Uh, let's see. Oh, one, the first one we're starting out with today 
is called Thanks, Irv. And I think it's about this man's stepfather who passed away. The man who wrote this, and I don't usually use last names, but this is Steve Vernon. This is a terrific Canadian writer who I had the honor of narrating several of his books. And this posting on Facebook is called Thanks, Irv, about the passing of, I think he said it was his stepfather. And so let's start out for that right now. Thanks, Irv, by Steve V. I came to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, about 45 years ago to get to know my mom. Along the way, I came to know my stepdad, Irvin Chateloy. I usually thought of him as Big Irv or Old Irv. Mom passed away three years ago, September 11, 2018. I remember saying to my mom that Irv was probably going to follow Mom pretty soon. I knew that he would miss her deeply. He was a hunter, a baseball player, a bit of a card shark, and a wicked awesome dark player. He could cut a rug on the dance floor. I also seem to remember he had a knack with arranging flowers, or so Mom told me once. I only lived down in Yarmouth for a shorter time than a lot of people realize, but Irv taught me an awful lot in the time that I knew him. He was a crack shot with both a rifle and a bow. When he was younger, he used to hunt game regularly, keeping several of Yarmouth's older citizens supplied with meat when their pensions ran tight. I always said that when old Irv walked out into the woods, the bear and the deer and the rabbits would lay down in front of him and say, Shoot us, Big Irv. We are tired of living. He kind of had a bond with the wilderness, and I believe he was happiest when he was out in the woods around Yarmouth. He was a mailman for an awful lot of years. Come hunting season, he would race through his route so that he could make the time to get out and get a little hunting in. He took me out hunting once. Well, it really wasn't hunting. He had shot a bear and he needed some help moving the carcass. I'm not sure if I really learned anything from the experience. All that I remember from that occasion is that bears are awfully heavy. Irv also tried to teach me to play baseball. I sucked at the sport badly. I blame it all on my love for writing. Irv would chuck the ball and I'd raise that bat and then stop in my mind to rough draft out a whole entire chapter about how I was about to swing that bat and knock that freaking ball out clear across the Atlantic and maybe even drop it into the courtyard of Buckingham Palace while the ball whistled on past me, giggling to itself at this fool who thought he could swing a bat. But even so, my painful inability to swing a bat or catch a ball did not disturb him one little bit. I was just as bad at darts, so he couldn't teach me to hunt, to hit a baseball, or even fling a dart. But I'll tell you what he did teach me. Let me tell you about the morning of the French toast. One morning, I got up early, and I decided that I really wanted French toast. 
So I got myself out a little pot, the kind of thing you'd use to cook yourself up a tin of Campbell's tomato soup or some such thing, and soaked some bread with some egg and milk and at the bottom of this tiny little pot, and I wound up with something that looked a little like a drunken zombie birthday cake. You see, I had sort of half-assed read this recipe in a field and stream magazine about this fellow who swore he could cook French toast in a pot. I think he was talking about more of a bread pudding sort of dish. But because I had read it, I thought, well, shit, this must be true now, isn't it? Anyway, Irv came down, and I was sort of standing there in front of the stovetop, wondering if I ought to try and take a knife and fork to that soggy mess of unloved crap that I had lumped in the bottom of the poor little old pot, or just write a eulogy for three or four wasted slices of white bread and bury the whole freaking mess in the backyard. I'm guessing that you don't know how to cook French toast, this voice growled out from behind me in the kitchen. So, even though Irv had to get to work that morning, he stopped what he was doing and walked me step by step through the fine art of fixing yourself a fry pan of French toast. I've grown to become a pretty darn good cook. But that was my very first cooking lesson. Thanks, Irv. Irvin Chateloy passed on just yesterday. He lay down for a nap and he just did not get back up. That's not a bad way to go, I reckon. And I knew that it was coming, but that doesn't make it any easier for anybody who ever knew him. Although I'm betting that the bears and deer and rabbits around the Yarmouth woods are going to breathe just a little easier. Under the wide and starry sky, dig the grave and let me die. Glad did I live and gladly die. And I laid me down with a will. This be the verse you grave for me. Here he lies where he longed to be. Home is the sailor, home from sea, and the hunter home from the hill. Robert Louis Stevenson. Back to Work by Stephen. Well, I guess it's time to share my news. I have been working at my new part-time job at Meow Wolf's Omega Mart for almost the past three weeks. What are Meow Wolf and Omega Mart, you ask? Well, Meow Wolf is an arts and entertainment company based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that was established in 2008. They create immersive interactive art installations including Omega Mart, which just opened in Las Vegas almost three months ago. The company believes in the power of creativity to change the world, unquote. And what exactly is Omega Mart? Well, it's a little hard to describe. Think of it as the weirdest grocery store in the world, crossed with a giant playground designed for kids and adults alike, Crossed with an escape room, but not really, more like a giant choose-your-own-adventure game. Crossed with a museum or art show. It kind of reminds me 
of when you're waiting to go on a ride at Disneyland like Star Tours or Indiana Jones or Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's all this stuff to look at to keep your mind busy while you're waiting. Only here you're allowed, nay, encouraged, to interact and play with the stuff. Omega Mart is truly unlike anything I have ever experienced. So what's my job? I am a creative operator, which is basically like a glorified amusement park ride attendant or usher whose role is to keep the patrons safe, subtlety guide them, and keep the exhibit experience from getting damaged and get to wear uniforms and play characters that go along with the experience's story. So far, I'm enjoying it. The day goes by quickly. It's fun. It's easy. It's a job after being cooped up in the house for much of the year. It's only part-time at this point, although the experience is doing very well. So there is a chance I could get more full-time hours in the future. My biggest complaints are that my back and feet hurt from standing all day and that the job currently has no health benefits for employees at my level, but that could change in the future too. I'm still happy to work for the company, though. What I love about the job is the company's culture and philosophy, our management team, the company's attitude toward diversity, their dedication to our and the guest's safety, and how genuinely kind and welcoming the entire team is. And it's a fun job where I feel like everybody's got each other's back. There's a real attitude of come as you are and that you will be loved, valued, and accepted however you identify. It's refreshing, and I feel honored to be included in the mix. It's fun to watch guests explore the space and discover new things within the space. And even as an employee, I'm discovering new things all the time. There are so many levels to what a particular guest's experience can be. The art and technology used to create the experience are amazing. Numerous creatives, artists, and musicians came together to create this space, which is about 52,000 square feet with plans to continue to expand. And I can't imagine what the budget was for it. Millions, I'm sure. It's pretty amazing and highly entertaining. Anyway, I'm grateful for the employment and grateful for a job where I can use my acting talents somewhat. If you haven't checked out Omega Mart and want to have a unique and fun experience, come give it a whirl. Quoting Stephen Wright by Karen. From my favorite comedian, the quotes of Stephen Wright. One, I'd kill for a Nobel Peace Prize. Two, borrow money from pessimists, they don't expect it back. Three, half the people you know are below average. Four, 99% of lawyers give the rest a bad name. Five, 82.7% of all statistics are made up on the spot. 6. A conscience is what hurts when all your other parts feel so good. 7. A clear conscience is usually the sign of a bad memory. 8. If you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. 9. 
All those who believe in psychokinesis, raise my hand. 10. The early bird may get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. 11. I almost had a psychic girlfriend, but she left me before we met. 12. Okay, so what's the speed of dark? 13. How do you tell when you're out of invisible ink? 14. If everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. 15. Depression is merely anger without enthusiasm. 16. When everything is coming your way, you're in the wrong lane. 17. Ambition is a poor excuse for not having enough sense to be lazy. 18. Hard work pays off in the future. Laziness pays off now. 19. I intend to live forever. So far, so good. 20. If Barbie is so popular, why do you have to buy her friends? 21. Eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. 22. What happens if you get scared half to death twice? 23. My mechanic told me I couldn't repair your brakes, so I made your horn louder. 24. Why do psychics have to ask you for your name? 25. If at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence that you tried. 26. A conclusion is the place where you get tired of thinking. 27. Experience is something you don't get until just after you need it. 28. The hardness of the butter is proportional to the softness of the bread. 29. To steal ideas from one person is plagiarism. To steal from many is research. 30. The problem with the gene pool is that there is no lifeguard. 31. The sooner you fall behind, the more time you'll have to catch up. 32. The colder the x-ray table, the more of your body is required to be on it. 33. Everyone has a photographic memory. Some just don't have film. 34. If at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. 35. If your car could travel at the speed of light, would your headlights work? Close the Curtains by John Close the Curtains Tonight, a guy I grew up with shared a post about his family that seemed so invasive, I winced a little. He makes a living writing about his family, but this felt different. He and I have known each other for decades, so I knew I could go to him and be honest. I told him I worried he was giving too much of his family away, and that I understand. Obviously, I do much of my life's work in the virtual world and share a great deal of my life with all of you, 
and with those who read my writing and come to hear me speak, but I don't share everything. I have a great deal of my life that is reserved solely for me and for those I choose to share it with in close proximity. It's a daily challenge, but a necessary one, because it's easy to give too much away on social media simply because we can. Growing up, my parents didn't have a mechanism for continually broadcasting their marriage or our family life or my childhood, and I'm really grateful. I realize how little protection people have now and how willingly we give that protection away. Whether we are public figures or not, I worry that we are all becoming inside-out people, that we are learning and teaching our children to live for public consumption where every intimate moment is currency, every passing thought a commodity, every life event curated for grading. I know our commonalities are powerful, and so giving people a window into our worlds is often really helpful in making them feel less alone and truly seen. But maybe we all need to draw the curtains now and again and make sure we have something that belongs only to us and those who know the pattern of the freckles on our shoulders and the nagging fears we hide from the world. All that to say, social media is seductive and it has saturated all our lives. Don't feel pressure to live inside out all the time. Share the experience of being human because they help, but you deserve to keep something for yourself too. Close the curtains once in a while and live without needing to share it. I just, I always used to watch, and, and a lot of you might not be old enough, and, and some of you might be, but I always used to watch Stephen Wright. Whenever he was on TV, he was on the Carson show, and he must have been on other stuff late night. Um, but his comedy was very original. Basically, all he would do is come out, be very deadpan, and spout these facts that just made so much sense that they were funny. And uh, <laughs> used to love, used to love him. He was very good. I don't even know if he's still alive. But uh, so anyway. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. If you enjoyed your visit today, please tell your friends because we're always looking for new ones. If you have questions or comments about the show, and this is something I've never brought up with my listeners, is I've never had any questions or comments about the show. So please feel free. This, by the way, is our one-year anniversary show. And I just thought about that because I started in May of last year. And now it's May of this year. So happy anniversary to Tom Reads Your Story, which, of course, is me. As always, thanks, Anchor.fm, for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Till next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye now. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit his website at www 
www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.